Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A series of unfortunate events, the Oster Academy. Chapter 2. As the Baudelaire orphans stood outside Vice Principal Nero's office, they were reminded of something their father said to them just a few months before he died. One evening, the Baudelaire parents had gone out to hear an orchestra play, and the three children had stayed by themselves in the family mansion. The Baudelaires had some of a had something of a routine on the nights like this. First, Violet and Klaus would play a few games of checkers while Sunny ripped up some old newspaper. And then the three children would read in the library until they fell asleep on the comfortable sofas. When their parents came home, they would wake up the sleeping children, take them, talk to them a little bit about the evening, and then send them off to bed. But on this particular night, the Baudelaire parents came home early and the children were still up reading, or in Sunny's case, looking at pictures. The sibling's father stood in the doorway of the library and said something that they never forgot. Children, he said, there is no worse sound in the world than somebody who cannot play the violin who insists on doing so anyways. At the time, the Baudelaire's had merely giggled, but as they listened outside of the vice principal's door, they realized that their father had been absolutely right. When they first approached the heavy wooden door, it sounded like a small animal was having a temper tantrum, but as they listened more closely, the children realized that somebody who could not play the violin, insisting on doing so anyways. The sound shrieked and hissed and scratched and moaned and made other horrible sounds that are really impossible to describe. And finally, Violet could take it no longer and knocked on the door. She had to knock very hard and at length in order to be heard over the atrocious violin recital going on inside. But at last, the wooden door opened with a creak, and there stood a tall man with a violin under his chin and an angry glare in his eyes. Who dares interrupt a genius when he is rehearsing? He asked in a voice so loud and booming that it was enough to make anyone shy all over again. The Baudelaire's, Klaus said look quietly, looking at the floor. Mr. Poe said to come right to the principal Nero's office. Mr. Poe said to come right to Vice Principal Nero's office. The man mimicked. Oh, Mr. Poe said right to come right to Vice Principal Nero's office. The man mimicked in a high, shrieky voice. Well, come in, come in. I don't have all afternoon. <laughs> what are they supposed to do? The children stepped into the office and got a better look at the man who had mocked them. He was dressed in a rumpled brown suit that had something sticky on its jacket and he was wearing a tie decorated with pictures of snails. His nose was very small and very red, as if somebody had stuck a cherry tomato in the middle of his splotchy face. He was almost completely bald, but he had four tufts of hair, which he had tied into little pigtails with the rubber bands. Is that really how the movie went? The show? Oh my gosh. The Baudelaire's had never seen anybody who looked like him before, and they weren't particularly interested in looking at him any further. But his office was so small and bare that it was difficult to look at anything else. There was a small metal desk with a metal chair sitting behind it and a metal lamp on one side. 
The office had one window decorated with curtains that matched the man's tie. So he wears the same tie every day? Mm -hmm. Yikes. The only other object in the room was a shiny computer which sat in the corner of the room like a toad. The computer had a blank gray screen and several buttons as as red as the pig-tailed man's nose. Ladies and gentlemen, the man announced in a loud voice, Vice Principal Nero. There was a pause and three children looked around the tiny room, wondering where Nero had been hiding all this time. Then they looked back at the man with the pigtails, who was holding up both hands in the air, his violin and bow almost touching the ceiling, and they realized that the man had just introduced so grandly himself. Nero paused for a moment and looked down at the Baudelaire's. It is tradition, he said sternly, to applaud when a genius has been introduced. Just because something is traditional is no reason to do it, of course. Piracy, for example, is a tradition that has been carried for hundreds of years, but that doesn't mean that we should still attack ships and steal their gold. But Vice Principal Nero looked so ferociously at the children, and they felt that this was the time to honor tradition. So they began clapping their hands and didn't stop until Nero took several bows and sat down in his chair. Thank you very much, and welcome to Proofrock Preparatory School. Blah, 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 he said, using the words blah, to mean that he was too bored of finishing the sentence properly. I'm certainly doing Mr. Poe a favor in taking all three orphans in such short notice. He assured me that you wouldn't cause any trouble, but I did a little research of my own. You've been sent to legal guardian after legal guardian, and adversity is always followed. Adversity means trouble, by the way. In our case, Klaus said, not pointing out that he already knew what the word adversity meant. Adversity means Count Olaf. He was the cause of all of this trouble with our guardians. He was the cause of all of this trouble with all of our guardians, Nero said in a nasty, mimicking way. I'm not interested in your problems, quite frankly. I'm a genius, and I have no time for anything other than playing the violin. It's depressing enough that I have to take this job as vice principal because I do not a single orchestra appreciate my genius. I'm not going to depress myself any further by listening to the problems of three bratty children. Anyway, here at Proofrock Prep, there would be no blaming your weaknesses on this Count Olaf person. Look at this. Vice Principal Nero walked over to the computer and pressed two buttons over and over again. The screen lit up with a green glow as if it were seasick. This is an advanced computer, Nero said. Mr. Poe gave me all of the necessary information about the man you call Count Olaf, and I programmed it into the computer. See? Nero pressed another button, and a small picture of Count Olaf on the computer screen popped up. Now, that the advanced computer system knows all about him, you don't have to worry. But how can a computer system keep Count Olaf away? Klaus asked. He could still show up and cause trouble no matter what appears on the computer screen. I shouldn't have bothered in trying to explain this to you, Vice Principal Nero said. There's no way uneducated people like yourself can understand a genius like me. Well, Proofrock Prep will take care of that. You'll get an education here if we have to break you both of your arms to do it. Speaking of which, I'd better show you around. Come here to the window. He's not even going to show him around. He's just going to point from the window? Oh my gosh. The Baudelaire orphans walked to the window and looked down at the brown lawn. From ninth floor, all the children running around looked like tiny ants, and the sidewalk looked like a ribbon somebody had thrown away. Nero stood behind the siblings and pointed at things with his violin. Now, this building that you're in is the administrative building. It is completely off 
limits to students. Today is your first day, so I'll forgive you. But if I see you here again, there will be not allowed to use silverware at any of your meals. That gray building over there contains classrooms. Violet, you will be studying with Mr. Remora in room one. Klaus, you will be studying with Miss Brass in room two. Can you remember that? Room one and room two. If you don't think he can remember, I have a felt tip marker that I will write room one and room two on your hands with permanent ink. We can remember, Violet said quickly. But which classroom is Sunny's? Vice Principal Nero drew himself up at full height, which in this case was five feet ten inches. Proof Rock Preparatory School is a serious academy, not a nursery school. I told Mr. Poe that we would have a room for the baby here, but we do not have a classroom for her. Sunny will be employed as my secretary. What the f- this book is ridiculous. All right. Arg. Sunny said incredulously. 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 Oh my God, I don't even know how to say that word. It's a word here which means not being able to believe it. And arg here, which means What? I can't believe it. But Sonny's a baby, Klaus said. Babies are not supposed to have jobs. Babies are not supposed to have jobs, Nero mimicked again and then continued. Well, babies aren't supposed to be at boarding schools either, Nero pointed out. Nobody can teach a baby anything, so she'll work for me. All she has to do is answer the phone and take care of paperwork. It's not very difficult, and it's an honor to work for a genius, of course. Now, if either of you are late for class... Now, if either of you are late for class or if Sunny is late for work, your hands will be tied behind your backs during meals. You'll have to lean down and eat your food like a dog. Of course, Sunny will always have silverware taken away because she will not work in the administrative because she will work in the administrative building where Mom, she's not allowed. Mom, don't you dare go. What? That's not fair, Violet cried. That's not fair, the vice principal squealed back at her. The stone building over there contains the cafeteria. Meals are served promptly at breakfast time, lunchtime, and dinner time. If you're late, we take away your cups and glasses. And if your bedroom and your beverages will be served to you in large puddles. That rectangular building over there with a round top is the auditorium. Every night I give a violin recital for six hours and attendance is mandatory. The word mandatory means that if you don't show up, you have to buy me a large bag of candy and watch me eat it. The lawn, res- the lawn serves as our sports facility. Our regular gym teacher, Miss Tench, accidentally fell out of a three-story window a few days ago, but we have a replacement who should arrive shortly. Gee, I wonder who the replacement's going to be. I know, Mom. In the meantime, I've instructed the children to run around as fast as they could during gym time. I think that just about covers everything. Are there any questions? Could anything be worse than this? Was the question Sunny had, but she was too well-mannered to ask. Are you kidding about these incredulous, incredibly cruel punishments and roles? Was a question Klaus often thought, but he already knew that the answer was no. And, on, and only Violet thought of one question that was useful to ask. I have a question, Vice Principal Nero, she said. Where do we live? Nero's response was predict- so predictable that Baudelaire's orphan, Baudelaire orphans could have said it along with the miserable administration. Where do we live? He said in a high mocking tone. But when the tone was done making fun of the children, he decided to answer. We have a magnificent dormitory here at Prufock Prep, he said. He said, you can't miss it. It's a gray building, entirely made of stone and shaped like a big toe. Instead of a huge living room with brick fireplace and a game room and a large... Oh, inside is a huge living room with a brick fireplace, a game room, and a large lending library. 
Every student has his or her own room with a bowl of fresh fruit placed every Wednesday. Doesn't that sound nice? Yes, it does, Klaus admitted. Keeb, Sunny shrieked, which meant something along the lines of, I like fruit. I'm so sure good you think so, Nero said. Although, you won't get to see much of the place. In order to live in the dormitory, you must have a permission slip with the signature of a parent or guardian. Your parents are dead, and Mr. Poe tells me your guardians have either been killed or fired you. But surely Mr. Poe can sign our permission slip. Surely he cannot, Nero replied. He is neither your parent nor your guardian. He is a banker who is in charge of your affairs. But that's more or less the same thing, Klaus protested. That's more or less the same thing, Nero mimicked. Perhaps after a few semesters at Proofrock, you'll learn the difference between a parent and a banker. No, I'm afraid you'll have to live in a small shack made entirely of tin. Inside, there is no living room, no game room, and no lending library whatsoever. You three will have to have your own bale of hay to sleep on, but no fruit. It's a dismal place, but Mr. Poe tells me that you've had a number of uncomfortable experiences, so I figured you'd be used to such things. Couldn't you please make an exception, Violet asked. I'm a violinist, Nero cried. I have no time to make exceptions. I'm too busy practicing the violin, so if you will kindly leave my office, I will get back to work. Klaus opened his mouth to say something more, but when he looked at Nero, he knew that there was no use in saying anything other than a st- uh, anything more to a stubborn man, and he gloomily followed his sisters out of the vice principal's office. When the when Violet shut the office doors behind him, however, Vice Principal Nero said another word, and his and he said it three times. The three children listened to these three words that he said, and knew for certain that he had not been sorry at all. For as the Baudelaire's left the office, Nero thought he was alone. He said something to himself. He he he. Now the Vice Principal. Pr- of Prulock Preparatory School did not actually say the syllables he 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 of course when you see the words he 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 in a book or ha 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 or har 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 or he 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 or ha 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 or ho 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 these words can mean somebody was laughing in this case however the words he 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 cannot be described as what Mr. Principal Nero sounded like the laughs were squeaky and it was wheezy and hard as and rough crackly edges to it as if Nero were eating tin cans, as if he laughed at the children. But most of all, the laugh sounded cruel. It is always cruel to laugh at people, of course, although sometimes if they were wearing an ugly hat, it is hard to control yourself. But the Baudelaire's were not wearing ugly hats. They were young children receiving bad news. And if Vice Principal Nero had really, had really, Nero really had to laugh at them, he should have done so and been able to control himself until the siblings were out of his earshot. But Nero didn't care about controlling himself, and as the Baudelaire orphans listened to the laugh, they realized that their father, what their father had said to them that night when he'd come home from the symphony was, was wrong. There was something worse than the, in the world than a sound of somebody who could not play the violin, insisting on doing so anyways. The sound of an administrator laughing, a squeaky, wheezy, rough, crackly, cruel laugh at the children, have to live in a shack was much, much worse. So as I hide out here in this mountain cabin and write these words, he, 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 and you, wherever you are hiding, read the words, he, 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 you should know that he, he, he stands for the worst sound that the Baudelaire's had ever heard. These poor kids. Good thing it's not real, huh, Pei? Mm-hmm. This book is so ridiculous, it's kind of obnoxious. Don't you think? Okay, can you keep reading? Just saying. <laughs>